driving home from Kingman, Arizona after grocery shopping, a silver manta ray-shaped creature or craft with a glowing neon green cockpit with green and blue exhaust flames coming out of the tail end instantly appeared over my car windshield, about five to six feet in the air. It was as if it was watching over me while driving in the darkness on my dirt road for a couple of minutes, until I reached my house. The craft seemed to undulate like a living being, then it just disappeared into the clear, dark night. I have seen various objects flying around my house and found several burned-up bushes from exhausted flames. I've been trying to find someone to report the sightings to since they were occurring nightly. I told my brother Jack and my daughter about it. My brother Jack thought I was seeing things until I showed him the images from my security cameras outside. My daughter told me to contact you. I started staying with friends and family and not at home alone. Would really like for someone to please come out there and investigate these numerous sightings. My brother finally believed me when he was visiting one weekend helping me fix barbed wire fencing around the house. He saw for himself strange objects flying over us in the night. They were also witnessed by his girlfriend who was helping us. There was a formation of lights which I thought was a squadron of military planes, but there was no sound and then they flew out of sight instantly. We have more details but too much to explain in this report. Due to the fact this has been ongoing for almost a year, I would like to know what is going on around my house. I had just enlisted in the Forest Service in 2006 and was working in the Algonquin Park for the summertime. I never understood why they paid me as little as they did for all of the things I had to deal with. To give you some more context, the Algonquin Park is this massive wildlife preserve full of moose, black bears, elk, etc. And this is why it makes it such an excellent tourist trap. We're always finding weird things too, like tracks and scat, which is pretty normal. But not when you find human-looking scat and four times the size. That's when things begin to get very unnerving. In fact, I had several people on a trail, a very popular trail, which name and route I won't mention. But they had reported seeing very large piles of human scat along the side. After being disgusted, thinking somebody could not wait to find the bathroom, or was just simply going in the great outdoors far too close to a road that people travel after inspection. This was far larger than any human could produce. Also, around the scat pile were these massive footprints that were evidently from a bipedal being. Nearby, these prints are large blackberry bushes, meaning that whatever was around here was probably eating berries and doing its business. I never thought Bigfoot was a possibility, but the more and more I see this kind of stuff, the more evidence I'm exposed to, the more I'm becoming a believer. I should say... Raised by hunters. So I know enough, but I've only ever been unsuccessfully deer hunting. My family had a cabin up in the mountain range near San Jose, Mount Hamilton, and we would go up every summer and winter for a few days and it's far out 27 miles on asphalt and 9 miles on a dirt road, no electricity and no cell service unless you were on the asphalt road. So pretty far out. We had a couple of creepy places around the cabin. We had a couple of creepy places around the cabin, one was Snake Rock, which admittedly wasn't that weird. 
It was just absolutely infested with snakes, hundreds of them, no other creatures around, and you always felt weird around it. Another was the Winovich's shack, which was this even farther shack from us that the family had moved out to get away from society, and they supposedly died out in the cabin. When I was roughly 16 or 17 old enough to go on the trail alone, so long as I had a rifle with me, I rode our ATV to the cabin, and I always was skeeved out in that place. The shack was always louder inside than out, like an absolute cacophony of noise. But I'll never forget checking it out and finding a shredded carcass of something in on the table. Looked like maybe a raccoon or skunk. Gutted, flies everywhere. Maybe a few days old, and my heart starts pounding in my chest. I could hear my blood pressure in my ears sound like rushing water because the cabin may be old but it's got what I would consider animal-proof entryways, except for small rodents and maybe larger vermin. But I hopped on the ATV and noped so hard and I got the sensation to stop up ahead like just a second to stop and listen with the ATV off about 100 yards from the cabin. And as soon as I stop, I realize that it's dead silent. No birds, no squirrels, nothing I could feel my hair stand up and I was like, nope, if this I'm gone. I've never rode that ATV so fast. I got back to the cabin and my grandfather asked me if I was okay and I explained what I saw and I've never seen him so concerned. We ended up deciding to cut the trip short and head out and when we came back a few weeks later we both went to the cabin and whatever was on the table was gone. It just left a huge pool of blood and fur. Me and my friend were bone hunting. I live in a very rural place in the Pacific Northwest. We went about a mile off a trail and were pretty deep in the woods, miles from anyone. We were coming down from this hill next to a stream and started getting into some thick brush and trees. That's when we heard this deep growl. We both stopped. I was a few yards away from him and was closer to the noise. He asked me if I heard it too. We both stood still, although I couldn't see. Him, well, I knew we were both looking in the direction of the sound. We didn't see any movement or heard it again. It was very creepy and we have no idea what it was. I don't know what would be creepier if it was an animal or something paranormal. So, I'm going to start this off with some backstory. I was minding my own business alongside my parents in a nice home in northeast Alabama. I'm not sure exactly when this was, but I was around seven in age. Anyways, we're sleeping peacefully. And suddenly we are all three awoken by this absolutely terrible growling sound, almost like that of a bear. This wasn't just a normal sound, though. It sounded like it was on our front porch. My dad assumes that a black bear has decided to chill on our porch, and he grabs his shotgun, prepared to defend himself if necessary. He holds me and my mother up and goes outside, ready to confront this bear. To his surprise, no bear was outside. He assumes it ran off and tells us we can just go to sleep again since all is fine. He assured us that bears can't unlock doors like that helped any. Right before we begin falling asleep again, we hear a very distant giggling. This doesn't give off the vibe of a normal giggle, though. It gives off that... Oh hell, no tone that makes you just want to get out of Dodge. My mother whispers to my dad. What the hell was that? And my dad whispers over to me, was that you? I simply reply, no. 
Another few moments pass and we hear a slight yelp, seemingly closer, but also quieter. We don't think anything of it, at least that's until we hear a woman scream distantly. This once again gets my dad and mother up and alert. My dad once again grabs a shotgun, but this time he doesn't go outside to even seem scared now. Obviously this worries me. After about 30 seconds of us kind of just sitting around, another scream happens, but this time it's directly in our yard, about 10 yards away. My dad rushes to turn off the lights and simply whispers, don't say a word. I'm not sure what exactly happened after that, but nothing else seemingly happened that night. I'd assume I dozed off. I'm not sure why this only just now clicked with me, but I now realize this fits the description of a skinwalker really well. It's possible... It might have all been a misunderstanding by my family, but I simply don't think that would be the case considering my parents recall the same things. I have recently done a lot of research into skinwalkers, and I've rethought this past trauma of mine and made a connection. Sorry for this being drawn out, but I just randomly decided to post this before I forgot any important notes on the event, even though I doubt I'd likely ever forget any of this. Extra note. I'm sure somebody would ask this, so I'm going to go ahead and answer it. I didn't have nightmares and stuff before the event, other than the usual child nightmare stuff, but I did have a few eerie nightmares directly following the event. One dream. I dreamed of being chased down a hallway by some creature, not sure if it was human or what. Another dream I had, my entire family's voices had gone demonically deep and they all kept saying, don't hide. And the last one I'll point out is a dream where my mother disappeared out of nowhere, like thin air, out of the car. All of these I vividly remember and still creep me out to this day. Needless to say, I don't like staying at hotels much anymore. I drove nine hours to meet my parents at a halfway mark to pick up my two-year-old daughter at an agreed-on hotel. I assumed we were all going to stay there the night since we both had such a long drive. When I had grabbed all her things, I asked, are you going to stay here too? My dad said, no, we are going to head back. I was a little disappointed, but I understood that they don't like hotels much. I checked in and went to our room. It was fairly late, but I don't sleep much at night. I am more of a night person. I turned the TV on, and I was in my bed, and my daughter was in hers. She fell asleep pretty quick probably the car ride. I had all the lights off in the room. The only light was coming from the TV. I was sitting up against the headboard with my legs stretched out straight in front of me under the covers. All of a sudden, I felt something grab my toes, both feet, at the same time. I quickly pulled my legs in toward me with my knees bent against my chest. I grabbed my phone and used the light on it to shine at the end of the bed. I didn't see anything. I sat there trying to look stoic like I wasn't afraid, but inside I was screaming. I didn't want whatever it was to see me scared. After a few minutes of sitting there, after a few minutes of sitting there, acting like nothing just happened, I relaxed my legs and continued watching DV. Moments later, I felt pressure next to my leg, like a hand, like someone was leaning their body onto the bed from the end of the bed, with both hands down on the mattress. Then I felt pressure as if their left hand moved forward and pressed down. Then what felt like their right hand moved forward and closer to my knee. Then their left hand moved forward. It felt like someone or something was crawling up to my face. 
slowly and methodically. It was definitely a Harley Quinn-type movement. I could feel the palm push down first, then the hand rolled forward to the fingers. Imagine it like how a person walks. Heel to toe, the motion was very similar and very exaggerated. It was creepy and unsettling, like it was having fun. I flung off the blankets and jumped into my daughter's bed, hoping her innocence would save me. I was facing the wall, spooning her, and I seen shadows go across the wall. I jumped up and turned the light on, frantically grabbing our stuff to pack up to leave. I went down to check out. It was about 4 a.m. The guy working said, you are leaving early. I said, yeah, couldn't sleep by chance. Do you have anyone ever tell you this hotel is haunted? I laughed nervously, waiting for him to laugh, too, which I wish he would have. Instead, he replied, why? What room were you in? I told him, and he replied, I don't know why they put you over there. I never put people over there. Ever since we got new owners, they did a cleansing on the building, thinking things would get better, but since then things have gotten worse. I told him, yeah, I don't think it worked. I will never forget that, and I wanted to share it. Decades ago, there was this mountain road on a place called Big Hill. It was the main thoroughfare to get from one county to another and it wound down the mountain through dense tunnels of trees and down long, sloping curves. As the story goes, a woman was killed tragically, and when the culprit wanted to dispose of her body, he shoved her in an old dryer and pushed it over the edge, down into the woods of the hill. It wasn't unusual for people to dump their waste in unwanted here, so it would have been just another piece of junk left behind. After that, people started making reports of seeing a woman walking up and down the hill at night, all alone in the dark, tree-lined road. People started to say that you should never leave the window cracked when you're traveling Big Hill, because drivers have seen her on the side of the road, and then suddenly her face in their rearview mirror. She would hitch a ride from the top to the bottom, and then would be gone. They always said she was looking for the man who dumped her body, and if you didn't want her hitching a ride to always have your windows up so she couldn't get in. Some years later, due to the traffic use of that road, they actually redid it the road entirely, blasted and removed trees, and actually ended up rerouting it entirely to make it better for semis. You can see the remnants of the old road off in the woods, and the few remnants where the old road looks like it crosses over where they built the new road. After they built the new road, there weren't any more reports of the woman on the hill. The superstition went away and the talk of her died down. I think about that from time to time, and I imagine she's still there, walking the old forest road where time has forgotten it, just waiting to find the one who killed her. This past November, I was finishing a two-month project in Wyoming. I worked four or five days during the week and moonlighted as a DJ at a bar in Riverton. Sometimes I would call a friend just to stay awake as I would wake up at four and be up for around 23 hours straight. One night on the phone I thought I heard a womanly scream. I was parked by the cabin but had no idea where the noise came from. The canyons made directional noises difficult. I waited a few minutes to see if I cooked here it again but nothing. One night after closing out Jijing at around 2.30 a.m. and heading back 18 miles to the cabin, rented out by a big-game travel guide that lived next door. I was sharing with my co-workers. 
I seen a huge gnarly beast of an animal with huge fangs and the size of me on the side of the road with blood red eyes. It scared the living piss out of me as it was in the general area of the cabin. Since it was still a 200 foot walk in complete darkness and with no firearms with me, I slept in the truck. I awoke the next morning and told the boys why I slept in the truck. I ain't gonna lie, I was scared. And after describing what I saw and looking around the cabin, I pointed at a taxidermied mountain lion and said actually it looked just like that. At first nobody believed me. Even the big game guide neighbor, Dave, said that mountain lions never came down from the mountain or close to town X. It wasn't until later that day his, Dave, neighbor and his daughter came to warn us that they spotted a mountain lion from there hunting blind a mere 300 meters away. The next day, the mountain lion was hit by a truck. Luckily, not mine. In high school, my best friend's father was divorced and never remarried, so he had lots of free time to travel. One of his favorite things to do was backpack alone. In the summer of 2010, he decided to backpack through a rather large canyon somewhere Jordan. He had planned on it, taking him a total of five days to hike from one village to the next via this canyon. On his third day in the canyon, he was awoken by a large brown bear, so he pulled out his camera to take a few photos. As he was scrolling through the photos he had just taken, he scrolled one back too far and found a picture of him sleeping in his tent. All in all, he found over a dozen photos of him sleeping inside his tent with the date stamp being from the night before. He had yet to see a single person during his adventure thus far. After that night, he decided to travel during the night and sleep during the daylight hours. He did this for two days before he could make it to the next village. After that incident, he never went backpacking alone again. I've been going offshore for a couple of decades now. My trips to Alaska have always left a massive impression on me. I think it's the lack of people and the general ominous feeling that the land can give off at times, kinda like people are not really welcome there. When I was crossing the Gulf of Alaska just far enough offshore that you couldn't see the beach, but just the tops of several mountains and Mount Logan, a big bastard, were visible. They looked like teeth, and combined with the larger waves, the whole scene did not look welcoming in the slightest. I can see how ancient mariners could easily come back with tales of monster islands after seeing something like that. I've also recovered gear in the middle of the night in Alaska. Right before a storm, the seas were actually really calm, but the skies were pitch black and there were no other lights to be seen. Strangely, the lights of our vessel didn't seem to reflect off of anything in the air either, and the feeling was that just off the boat in any direction was nothing. Then, of course, are the storms offshore. I've been in shitty weather fairly often, but only a few times did I really reconsider my life choices. Getting stuck in a storm is bad, but getting stuck in a storm when shit starts to break on a boat is far worse. You really do get a feeling that the sea might just take you and it's just beating you for days until something breaks. I've only had two occasions where that happened. Both times people actually left the industry when the vessel tied up. The feeling of relief as your vessel limps into port and you have sun on your face once more is breathtaking. 
when in Albuquerque stayed at the Air Force base in what used to be base housing. They rented out for travelers. Better than a hotel. Full house, kitchen, washer, etc. Anyway, when we got to the house, the back door to the yard was open. No big deal. I thought they just left it open. That night, while trying to sleep, I kept a small light on in the kitchen, and I remember seeing the light dim like it was being blocked momentarily. I was half asleep, so I figured the dog was blocking it as he walked by. Then sometime in the early hours, I thought I heard young girls talking and giggling. Didn't think much of it. Thought maybe dreaming or outside. Then a little later, I hear my dog barking outside. I'm thinking WTF. Can't be my dog. No way out. So I called him, and he didn't come to the room, so I got up. He was outside the backyard with the backyard with the back door open. I'm a freak about locking the doors. My son even asked me if I locked up before bed. The lock has the knob lock as well as bolt lock. Now, I'm not saying I experienced something paranormal, but I can't explain it logically. And when I got to thinking, the dog could not have blocked the light. He isn't tall enough. And no human could be in the house without my dog attacking it or even outside the house with him, at the very least barking. Kinda interesting. This was our second Sasquatch sighting as a group. I and two other good friends live in British Columbia, Canada. We've had a previous frightening sighting of a Sasquatch that visited us in the deep forest at our campsite, but this time was in the sand dunes. We go there for spring break sometimes with our motocross bikes. After a long day of play in the dunes, we resorted to hanging out at the campsite. As we were sitting at the table, I noticed a large figure in the darkness, walking in the middle of the road. I told my friends, and we walked towards the figure. It never made a noise, not even sounds of walking. I clearly saw the figure walk directly out on the road, and then it disappeared out of view. I don't think it was a person for a number of reasons. First of all, it was so dark that only the moon and residual light from campsites lit the area. Farther away it was pitch darkness, and the overnight temp was below freezing. This was a startling experience. Our first experience with the Sasquatch scared us very badly. It was stalking us in the bush. We watched it as it was watching us from roughly 10, 15 feet away, just sitting there watching us. We could clearly see it. We sat there on a log, by the fire, terrified. My friend Dan came up with a plan to scare it away. We slowly added more wood to the fire for more light. Jamie and I grabbed burning tree limbs from the fire as Dan jumped on his 250 and hit the kickstart and popped the clutch as soon as the motor kicked over the Baja headlamp turned on. The light was on the Sasquatch that was mortified. You could see its facial expression. It was now terrified as we were. Jamie and I jumped up yelling with the logs and fire. Dan then rode his bike right up to hit trying to hit it. The Sasquatch freaked out and ran down the trail. We regrouped by the fire and tried to come up with an exit plan. We had ridden in on dirt bikes. Only one had a headlight. And the trail was too tight to ride in formation. We waited the first light to leave. As soon as there was enough light to see in the trails, we packed up and left. No one has believed us since. Only one other person has experienced with Jamie and Dan. 
A year after our first encounter, Jamie and Dan took a friend, Jared, to the same campsite to shoot off fireworks for New Year's. They rode in on two dirt bikes, both with headlights. As they were shooting off the fireworks, when the area was silence, when not using fireworks, they could hear what would logically be a blue-gross mating call, somewhat of an ump noise. They heard the noise all night long, didn't think too much about it. It became louder and louder. Then they heard the bushes moving, and then something ran by them at close range. It ran into Jamie's bike, knocking it over on the side of the kickstand. They lit off all their fireworks in every direction. They had backpacks full as one prepped the bikes. Then Jared and Dan doubled on Dan's bike and Jamie, whose bike was knocked over, couldn't get his bike started. The electric start was turning over and over, and he said he had the sense of something walking up behind him. Then his bike started. He pinned the throttle wide open, two-stroke motor, dumped the clutch, and rode off at a motocross speed. Since then, we're a little paranoid of camping there again.